Amen. Good morning. This is a nice view from up here. I would recommend everybody try it sometime. Looks good. Good to see y'all here this morning. Hey, it's a, it's a uh, real privilege to be here with my grandson, Landon, and baptize him today. It's, it's a joy. There's a, uh, let me share this with you. There, there's a sermon here because you may remember it's been a few months that I baptized uh, Landon. And you say, well, why are you doing it again? <laughs> well, you see, the, the thing is, the sermon is that Landon and, and, and many others grew up in church and knew about Scripture, knew Jesus, knew the gospel. And very easy when a, when a young person grows up in church we make a decision based on our head, based on what we know. We love church. We love church people. We love Sunday school. We love being in church. So it's very easy, and that's what, that's what Landon did. Landon, it was, it was a good thing, you know. It's what Landon did. He made a decision based on his head to trust in Jesus, and, and, and we baptized him. And not too long ago, Landon was having some struggles and, and was questioning some things. And I think he came to the realization that he trusted him with his head and they had, had not trusted him with his heart. He had given him, he had given him uh, a love and affection because he loved him and he's heard about him all his life, but he had never surrendered his life to him, given him his whole self. And so that's why Landon's done just a few weeks ago and that's why we're here to baptize him on the right side of salvation. Amen? Amen. Let me do something before I, I do this. His, his family, he has a lot of family here, of course. I want you all to stand all right, and just, just remain standing. All of Landon's family. All right. No, it's okay. Y'all remain standing. Okay. If you, if you have ever been in the nursery or if you've taught a life group that Landon's been in in his lifetime, stand up. Okay, if you are in the student ministry right now with Landon where he, wow, I can't believe that. If you're in the student ministry with Landon or are a leader, uh, stand up. Okay, all right, that's cool. For all you people who are here this morning to worship, and many of you are visiting with us today, it's good to see you. Y'all have known this young man since he was little teeny tiny he has seen y'all every day of his life in church most every Sunday y'all stand up so basically everybody in here just stand up okay all right look here's the deal y'all y'all just remain standing thank you y'all Landon those folks that's your church family out there okay they 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 teach you they help you. It, 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 this church family has helped get him where he's at right now. Amen? And, and you know what? We're not through. We've got a whole lot of work to do because he's still growing. We're all still growing. That's the church's job, isn't it? To pray for each other, to lift each other up in prayer. And so that's, that's what we're about, church family. So you're all a part of this, okay? You're all a part of this. It's my privilege to baptize him. It's all your 
work and your dedication, your faithfulness, your prayers that get us to where we're at right now. So, Landon, with this church family here to witness it, it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, because of your testimony that you have truly and sincerely trusted in Christ with your whole heart surrendered to him, to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried as Christ was buried and raised to live a victorious life in Christ. Amen. Amen. That's a joy, y'all. Y'all remain standing. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for the privilege to, to, to do this. God, your word says do this. And so, God, we're, we're, we're pleased and happy to do this because it says this one here is obedient to you and he's following you in his life, Lord. Thank you. Bless the remainder of this service. God, have your way in everything that's done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
God, we love you. Thank you so much for this time together this morning to worship and to praise you. And God, we just pour out our hearts to you today. Let everything that's done, God, bring you honor and glory above all else. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a joy to see you in the house of the Lord today. I hope your heart has already been stirred and blessed just as mine has. I'm telling you, there's no substitute for this. Amen. There's no substitute for koinonia. Thank you so much, buddy. And the family of God meeting together, even though we can't hug each other's neck, we kind of give the air fist bumps and the the air hugs. And I'm telling you what, it's just a, a joy. And it wouldn't be possible if you weren't here. So thank you for those of you that are here, those that are unable to be with us, that are watching the World Wide Web. We welcome you by worshiping with us online. I'm telling you, we're doing everything that we know how to do to keep our people safe. I I just feel better today because we have a special section over here if you have to take your mask off. And as an asthmatic last week, I was dying on the front row before I preached. So I'm so thankful that we have that section over there. So if you're watching and you say, well, I'm not coming if I have to wear a mask, we just ask you to wear it in, social distance, and if you need to remove it after you come in, we do have a section for you as well. Right when I got out of the the University of Georgia, I had met a beautiful blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl from the First Baptist Church of downtown Jacksonville, Florida, and I knew she was the one for me, and I knew that the Lord had called me to vocational, full-time vocational ministry, and that meant we were going to need to go to seminary, so I had to take a job in order for that to happen, to wait for us to be able to get married and to be able to go off to seminary. And first job I took was with the First National Bank of Atlanta. I think they've changed names about a hundred times since then, as every bank seems to do. And, you know, when they taught us about counterfeit money, I've shared this with some of you before, they didn't pass out counterfeit money and say, now study this so you know what counterfeit money looks like. What they did is they showed us the real thing. And they had us handle real dollars and $20 bills and handle the real thing because if you recognize the real deal, then you know what's false, amen? Today we're going to be in the the book of James, the little New Testament book of James, chapter number 2. And James is challenging the church that that had been scattered by persecution. We know James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. You say, why do you say half-brother, preacher? Because Joseph was his daddy. Jesus' daddy was the Holy Spirit of God. Joseph was... In our culture, we might say his stepdaddy, if you will. He was the one entrusted by holy God to raise God's personal expression of himself. So this is James writing to a church that was scattered by persecution, and they were already starting to have some trouble. Imagine that. You know, one sinner plus one sinner equals double trouble. It only takes two to have differing opinions and different mindsets. So the church was scattered by persecution, and already in the early church, they were dealing with things like worldliness, impatience, spiritual immaturity, murmuring, backbiting, gossip, all those things. And James is writing this little letter to them saying, whoa, 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 it's time to grow up. That's the whole theme of the book of James. I'm going to preach the whole book today. Recently, we did that in our Wednesday night series when we were here on Wednesday nights. And Lord willing, we'll be able to offer something on Wednesday nights as well coming up. Being, I don't have the ability to look at somebody and say, saved, not saved, saved, not so that's the job of the holy spirit of god but james is saying when he's writing here in james chapter 2 there's some things that you ought to be able to recognize when your faith is mature and your faith is dynamic if you were here last week or watching with us last week on the world wide web we asked the question who is your king 
Who do you serve? Jesus Christ is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and either he is on the throne of my heart or self is on the throne of my heart. Some self-made God I've created in my image. So today I want to talk to you about how to, how to have dynamic faith in difficult times. And before I get to the text, I want you to read with me a passage of Scripture that I read in my quiet time this morning. Now you think as long as I've been saved, as long as I've been a pastor, I'd have said, I need to read this passage as part of my sermon today, but I'm just getting a little bit more forgetful. And so God let me read it in my quiet time and said, dummy, you need to read this today. So turn, hold your place in James and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I've been going through the pastoral epistles in my personal quiet time, this will set the stage for us. I've really never had to preach a sermon convincing people that we're sinners, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I know I am, and you know, who, you know that you are as well, so we don't have to do a lot of convincing of that. I don't think I need to say a whole lot today to convince you that not only are we sinners, we're living in difficult days, amen? The most difficult days, at least of my lifetime, and God warns us of that. Uh, Paul writing to one of his young preacher boys, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. If you're physically able, would you please stand and let's give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. He says to young Timothy, but know this, hard times will come. Your translation may say right there, difficult times will come in the last days. See if this sounds like an article in the Gainesville Times or the Atlanta Journal-Constitution describing our culture today. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, dis demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. They can't, make, they can't get along with each other. Slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he says this, holding to the form of godliness, trying to put on the Christian mask, if you will, as we have to wear these masks for COVID right now, putting on that Christian mask, trying to look like you're one. But he says, but holding on to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Now flip over to James chapter number two and verse 14. James chapter two. In verse 14, as we consider how to have dynamic faith and faith in these difficult days, James 2.14 says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? That means he's writing to believers when he says brothers and sisters. If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother and sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Can you really have dynamic faith in difficult days? On the authority of God's Word, I'm telling you that you can. Lord Jesus, thank you that this Word is just as supernatural. It's just as powerful for us on this day at the end of August in 2020 as it was when it was penned 2,000 years ago. So, Lord Jesus, forgive us if we ever look at your word as a historical document, although it is. But remind us that you've said your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it is applicable to every aspect of our lives, even this day. So God, I ask you to speak to our hearts today. Thank you for the challenge earlier from Pastor Mike as he baptized his precious grandson, Landon, to be sure of our faith. 
that it's not superficial, it's not a head knowledge, but I pray that every one of us here today, everybody listening live, and everybody that will download this and listen to it later on, we would look deep within our heart and make sure that our faith is a genuine and a dynamic faith because you're worthy of all of that. In your name we pray, amen. You can be seated. You know, we hear a lot these days in the time of COVID and pandemics about what is essential and what is not essential. And we've said over and over, church, this is essential. As long as we can keep one another safe, this is essential for us to do. I would submit to you that something else that is essential is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we are saved by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, through faith, forsaking all, I trust him. There's no other way to be saved apart from faith. I cannot be good enough. I can't do enough good deeds. I can't give enough money to the church. I can't go on enough mission trips. For by grace, through faith, are you saved. It is the gift of God. When somebody gives you a gift, you just reach out and take it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to wash their car or clean their house. You just receive a gift. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight is difficult these days, is it not? Is it not difficult? I mean, you go in a store and everybody has on a mask and there's plexiglass and you put your stuff up underneath there and they say, we prefer you to pay with a contactless payment if you can. We live in difficult days and I believe all of us in this building know people who have suffered with COVID-19. We know we still have a few of our members that are still struggling with that today. And another one of our members had her father called to eternity just yesterday because of that. We live in difficult days. And I was talking to a visitor earlier this morning. He said, we don't live in fear. We don't live in, we're careful. We wear the mask. We social distance. We sanitize. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. If I walked by sight, I would be one depressed human being today. But I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. The reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. It's evidence. I mean, I may not be able to touch my faith and pick it up, but it's just as sure as I can just reach out and touch it today. The evidence of things we cannot see. When the Bible talks about hope in this manner, it's not like, I hope the Braves win the World Series. Or I hope SEC football shows the Northerners that it is possible to play football and win championships even in a time. It's not that kind of hope. It's an absolute confidence that what God says God will do every single time. Can you imagine, child of God, if you're a believer, can you imagine living through these difficult days without faith in God and knowing he's in control? I'm telling you, no wonder the suicide rate is up. No wonder people are so desperate. No wonder we see hatred manifested all over the television. I'm just, I've told you before, I'm having to unplug from the TV more than ever before because for me, for Mike, it's just not healthy. Now, the Bible says we're in the world, but not of the world. There's some things I need to know and be aware of, but for the most part, I just kind of look at headlines on my phone and I try to read for myself. Again, I'm not saying unplug the TV and turn off your TV and it's demonic. I'm just saying, Mike, for me, maybe you're stronger than I am, but I don't need to fill my mind with all that negative garbage that is all around us because it's difficult enough when I know God's got me. You can't touch me. You got to go through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to get to me. You cannot touch me. Faith is confidence that God's word is true. It is absolute truth. It is true for all people, for all places, and for all times. And if God says it, you can take it to the bank. 
Now, if I had time to go through Hebrews chapter 11, that chapter of Scripture is known as what? The Hall of Faith. We see many heroes of the faith listed out there in Hebrews chapter number 11, and it doesn't talk about just because of their, their ooey-gooey sentimental feelings. It talks about the way they demonstrated their faith by their actions. And that's what James, this passage of James is telling us. Faith is more than just words. It's more than just feelings and emotions. But the important aspect of my faith is not how I feel. Because listen, I've told you before now, when our children were young and at home, there were three people in my house that were not morning people. I mean, you just hardly said good morning. You just kind of give them time and you notice the pronoun I'm using. I don't consider myself a morning person, but I say it's a choice. But sometimes when that clock goes off, I don't always say, praise the Lord, it's morning. Sometimes I go, oh, good Lord, it's morning. I got to get up when you don't feel like it. And the older we get, the more aches and pains and stuff that we have. But it is a choice when I don't feel like it when people that when I'm having to preach the funeral of people that I've loved for a long time when used to I could hold the hand of a dying saint I can't even do that anymore you think I have the emotions right then I have to choose to put my eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith not the circumstances of our life and people talk about well it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere there's a Greek word for that it's called hogwash you can be as sincere as you want to. Go out here and take a nap in the middle of 985 and sincerely believe you're going to be okay. You can sincerely become a statistic if you do something that stupid. You can get down on your knees and pray to a carved wooden statue and say, I'm sincere in my beliefs. But that piece of wood ain't going to do anything except maybe be kindling for your fire if you need some firewood. You can say, well, my friend gave me this pill. The doctor didn't prescribe it, but my friend says it'll make me feel better. And I sincerely believe them. Well, you can sincerely wind up in the ER or dead or in jail for taking that pill. It's not just the sincerity. It is the object of my faith. The object of my faith is the word of God. It's true for all people, for all places, and for all times. So the object of our faith is Jesus. Jesus supersedes Mike's feelings. Jesus supersedes the things that I may want to do or the, the, the feelings that I want to wallow in. James is saying that genuine faith ought to have tangible evidence to it. James is not saying for you and I to go around and say, well, that person's a Christian and that person, that's not what he's, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. But what he does say is we ought to be fruit inspectors and inspecting that fruit needs to start in my own life. Not in everybody else's life, but in my own life. Does that mean we never stand on the word of God when God says something is sin? Are pastors supposed to be timid and stand in the pulpit and be afraid to offend people? The word of God's offensive. When he says it's a two-edged sword, a sword will cut you. The Word of God will cut you at least two different ways because it's two-edged. You stand on the truth of God's Word. We preach the truth, but the, the, the key here is preach the truth in love. I love you enough to tell you the truth if it hurts your feelings. I love you enough to tell you the truth, and if it hurts your feelings, come talk to me and let me give you a virtual hug, and let's talk about what I said that may have hurt your feelings. We don't do good things to be saved. We're not earning God's favor, but we do these good works because we are saved. I mean, God gave his only begotten son on an old rugged cross for me, for nobody like me. If he'll, is there anything he can ask me to do that's too big in light of that? God, not only does he give me heaven with him forever and ever, but I got a river of life flowing out of me right now today. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Y'all remember that old song? Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Who remembers that from student ministry or children's church? Yeah, a lot of y'all knew that song too. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. When we talk about faith and the sincerity of your belief, 
Eternity is a long time to be wrong. Look at your outline. Should be, you should have been given a copy of the worship guide when you came in. If not, it'll be there on the screen. Number one, God warns us about dead faith. That seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? God warns us about dead faith. Look at James chapter 2 and verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Dead things don't accomplish a whole lot. Now think about heroes of mine that are now with the Lord, like Adrian Rogers and former pastors. And, you know, I've, I've heard the old saying, though he's dead, he still speaketh. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Doyle? They still bless my life. But dead things, you can go to a dead and a stuffed horse and hop on it and say, giddy up. It ain't going nowhere. You can look at a dead animal and say, fetch, go get the paper for me. It ain't going anywhere. Dead things are useless. He, God is warning us, is your faith dead? You may say you've got this intellectual ascent, but is it living faith? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20 says, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this, only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, again, as I've told you many, many times, the best commentary on Scripture is other Scripture. If all I did is lift that verse out right there, and that's the only verse of Scripture I had, I could see how misguided people come to the conclusion. That is not the testimony of Scripture. But when God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit steps out of heaven and transforms your life, you want to serve Him. You want to show that love to other people. You're not trying to earn your salvation. So as Pastor Mike said about Landon, intellectual, Landon has been in this church his whole life. He probably could have passed a Bible quiz and quoted a bunch of verses of Scripture and got some awards back when we had Awana and things like that and RAs when I was a little. I bet Landon could have gotten all of that. But it was just intellectual. I thank God that the Holy Spirit of God spoke to that young man's heart and said, I don't care if your daddy's a deacon and your granddaddy is a pastor. You've got to know for yourself. And I'm so excited about that, Landon. And I pray, buddy, that your testimony already today as your papa shared that is speaking to the hearts of other people. Because I, I, I think the largest problem in the church in America today, I'm not saying this church, but as a whole, I believe it's unregenerate church members. Would you agree with me, Brother Doyle? You preached a long time. One of the biggest problems in the church of America today is unregenerate church members. They've gone through the motions, they filled out a card, they got dunked or sprinkled, whatever they did in their church, and there's no power of God on their life. And a lost world that's looking for answers in difficult days, they look at us, and we're down in the mouth, we're defeated, we're griping, we're there's no joy in us, and lost people don't want none of that. I've said many times the reason people don't come to church is because some of them have been before. And they looked at people who say, I got the joy of the Lord, but they look like they've been baptized in vinegar and weaned on dill pickle juice. Who wants to sign up for that? Nobody. We got to live out the joy of the Lord in our life. Intellectual agreement is not enough. If there's no evidence of salvation in your life on the authority of the Word of God, one of two things is true. Either you've never been genuinely born again, or number two, and I, you're looking at a guy who's been there, so far from God, gradual backsliding, it starts out with small compromise. And if people had looked at my life at a period of time in my senior year of high school, my freshman year at Georgia, you'd have said, there ain't no way that guy's a Christian. And I couldn't have blamed you for saying that because there was no outward evidence in my life. Thank God for the Holy Spirit of God. When I got done with being Joe Cool, thought all, I was all that in a bag of chips, and it was just me and Jesus in my bed at night, the Spirit of God eating my lunch. My, my kids don't act like that. 
Mike, I rescued your sorry behind. You're going to live like that? Thank God that he had mercy with me. Thank God he had patience with me, and he did not give up on me. Being a Christian is not just a matter of what we say with our lips, but what we believe with our heart and live in our lives. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 say, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If the verse stopped right there, i got to do say it. Name it, claim it, and frame it kind of faith. If it stop, but it doesn't stop right there. It says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. So you get, it ain't enough just to say it. You've got to believe it in your heart. When you believe something in your heart, it'll transform your life. And then James gives us an illustration in verses 15 and 16 of seeing someone in genuine need. There's a genuine need for food. There's a genuine need for clothing. A person with dead faith, intellectual faith, will say something like, God bless you, I'll pray for you, and going about your merry way like you just didn't encounter that. Now, listen, I know we live in a, in a day and age, again, we're living in the last days, I believe that, I believe we're in the fourth quarter, God's given us a two-minute warning. Are there crooked people out there? Yes. Are there deceiving people out there? Yes. But if you're a child of God, and I'm a child of God, we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and he will give you that discernment. Some, and, and, you know, sometimes I get burned because I give people the benefit of the doubt, maybe when I shouldn't, but I believe the Holy Spirit of God gives you discernment to say, you better listen to this person, they're telling you the truth. There's a legitimate need there they're not somebody who's trying to swindle you apart from the holy spirit it would lead to great skepticism so i'm thankful to be a part of a church and to be a part of association or chattahoochee baptist association every time you give to airline baptist church a portion of that goes to support our food pantry at the chattahoochee baptist association and things like that a portion of what you give goes to support our north american mission board ministering to the needs of people across north america as well as the international mission boards missionaries around the world Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially, especially to those in the family of faith. We're family. We got the same father. We may look different. We may talk different. But if you're a child of God, guess what? I'm your kinfolk. You got to live with me for all of eternity. You can pray for a mansion far away from mine, but you can't get away from me because we're family. And he says that's where it ought to start, especially those in the household of faith. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Pray for the discernment of the Holy Spirit, and let's show the truth by our actions. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 35, this is the Lord Jesus. These words may be read in your Bible to let you know Jesus said this, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, King Jesus that we talked about last week, the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, the least of these that society overlooks, they're just a statistic, don't worry about them. When you do it to the least of these, my brothers, Jesus said, you were doing it to him. 
the king that we talked about last week. Remember when you, the, the door of heaven swings open, that big majestic door, and there's the king on the throne? That's the one you do it for. You may think you're just helping a friend or a neighbor. Jesus says, you're doing that to me. And in the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, I won't keep you here all day and preach all of that, but you remember the priest and the Levite, the religious folks, there was a guy legit in need on the side of the road, and they had the head knowledge. They had the theological training. They could probably defend their faith, but they just walked right on by, did not stop to help the man in need. So like Pastor Mike said earlier, you can have that intellectual belief. You may be able to win a theological argument, but if you don't love people, I submit to you, the love of God is not in you. God's word says, can that kind of faith save anyone? He says that kind of faith is dead. That's number one. I got to roll. Number two, God warns us about demonic faith. Look real quiet when I said that. I know we're in a Baptist church, and I'm a Baptist preacher. And Baptists get a little nervous when you talk about demons. I don't know why that is, because the Bible talks about angels, and Baptists are okay with that. The Bible talks about spiritual warfare and demonic activity. If God said it, that settles it. And God compares the false faith of some people to demonic faith. Look at verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. They have such respect for holy God, the demons tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith, that faith without good deeds is useless? Demonic faith. I think a lot of churches lack power because a lot of Baptists and Methodists and Episcopal, I don't mean to pick on any one denomination, let's just say Baptists, have what we know as demonic faith. Well, how do you know what demonic faith is, preacher? Look, letter A, write this down. Demons believe in the existence of God. We just saw that. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Demons of heaven. Now, you understand demons are fallen angels. Demons do the bidding of Satan. Demons do the bidding of the great deceiver. And they are put on this earth to torment us, to distract God's people, to discourage God's people, to get in your head and make you forget the promises of God. And again, everything I need to know is right here. It might not tell me specifically what kind of car to buy or where your kids ought to go to college, but all that I need to know pertaining to life and godliness is right here. So if the Lord Jesus himself faced the temptation of Satan himself in the wilderness, I need to do what Jesus did because Jesus is the king of all kings and lord of all lords. He, was, he overcame that temptation. What did Jesus do when Satan tempted him? Somebody tell me. I know y'all know this ain't a hard question. He quoted scripture. Thank you, whoever said that. He quoted scripture. It is written, on our own, we're weak. On our own, our flesh is dying day by day. But I stand on the authority of the word of God. Like Jesus says, it is written. One of, one of the first verses of scripture I was challenged to memorize by Martha Jane Laporte. She was my youth Sunday school teacher when I became a Christian. To this day, one of the best teachers I ever sat under. She challenged me to memorize James chapter 4 and verse number 7, which says this. Therefore, submit yourselves therefore unto God. We know the original language of that word submit is a compound word. Hupotasso means place yourself under the authority if i place myself under the authority of god's word and i'm living by god's word then i got the promise resist the devil and he will flee from you now listen satan knows my tendencies he knows my past he knows the areas i've fallen in the past but he cannot read my mind the devil can't read your mind so i talked to that joker out loud devil you got to get off me in the name of jesus i'm a child of god blood-bought forgiven child of god i'm more than a conqueror and you got to get off me and leave me alone on the authority of god's word i didn't make this up god says he will flee from you demons believe in the existence of god letter b demons believe in the deity of christ 
That's what we talked about last week. He's king of all kings and he's lord of all lords. He's God's personal expression of himself, the second person of the Trinity. In Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus encountered some demon-possessed people, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Demons had an intellectual assent. They agreed that who, he was who he said he was, and now they recognize his deity, the Son of God. You know what else? Demons believe in the existence of hell. And you know, public opinion polls are a puzzling, curious thing to me. Are they to you? You know, the vast majority of people in America, or the majority at least, may not be vast these days, but the vast majority of Americans will say, we believe there is a heaven when you die. Far fewer believe there is a hell there's a hell that is prepared for the devil and his demons and all who reject the good news of the gospel. Demons know that. Matthew 8, 29. Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? The demon said to Jesus. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. They didn't want to go to hell. They'd rather be in the pigs over there. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men, entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in water. You believe in Jesus in your head? You believe Jesus is the Son of God? You believe in hell? If it stops right there, congratulations, you have the faith of a demon. Letter D, something else. Judge with a capital J, not like a judicial judge in our society. Matthew 8, 31, so the demons begged, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. They know he has the final word. They know he's the judge. It doesn't matter if people think you're the most godly person in northeast Georgia. What does God say about you? What does God say about me? The devil himself would be accepted in most Baptist churches today. You walk down the aisle and say, I believe Jesus is God's son. I believe in heaven and hell. I believe Jesus is the judge. Congratulations. We welcome you to our church. Now, we don't have that super spiritual microscope. We can't see anybody's heart. We ask those questions and we got to go on what you tell us. But the evidence of salvation is a transformed life. If there's never been any transformation, then you don't know him. But sadly, I know some folks who claim to be Christians. They, they ain't even got the faith that the demons do. They deny the deity of Christ. They deny that he's the judge. They deny the coming judgment. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 16, Paul writing to another preacher boy, young Timothy, says, such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They say, I love the Lord, but the actions of their life deny they know him. And listen, he wouldn't get invited back, Doyle, to preach in the church ever again if he said this. But this is scripture. They are detestable. They are disobedient. They're worthless for doing anything good. Not politically correct, but that is biblically correct. Many professing believers are practical atheists. Now, some folks, sadly, an increasing number of people that you encounter today in our society, an increasing number will say, I'm an atheist. Not as many religious folks will say that, but in fact, by the way we live our lives, we're practical atheists. Might not say it with our lips, but we deny the power of God when we reject the promises of God's word and we live by our feelings. God wants our faith to be dynamic. That's number three. We need to land this airplane. Amen. Number three, God wants our faith to be dynamic. Verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Mm-hmm. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. 
So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute. If God can use someone in the world's oldest profession, they say, can God certainly use any of us? Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Now let's visit for just a few minutes. Y'all remember Abraham and Isaac, right? God told Abraham and Sarah they were going to have a son. And they were so old, Sarah just laughed at God and said, that ain't going to happen. God says, you are going to produce a son, and your descendants will be more than the sands of the seashore, the long-awaited child of the promise. When my wife and I first got married, I told you we were trying to, to get to seminary and felt like we needed to wait a little while before we asked God to give us children. And we just thought, well, surely whenever we ask God to give us children, he will. Well, guess what? It didn't happen that way. And many of you have experienced this, and you've heard me say this before, but I'm telling you, it's one of the deepest pains for those of you who've been there. You want a child so desperately, and it just doesn't happen. You trust God, you pray, others pray, and there's no child. Finally, the celebration, the, the unspeakable joy when we find out my wife is expecting our first little baby. We were over the moon excited. Until I got that phone call from my wife, she didn't say a word. She was sobbing on the other end of the phone. I knew exactly what it was. I slammed down the phone, told my secretary in Lynchburg, Virginia, I'm going home. We just lost a baby. They didn't even know we were pregnant. God, we trusted you. God, we waited on your timing, and now our baby is with you. Now, we rejoice in the fact that that baby's with the Lord, like God said to King David. I can't go, to, that baby can't come back to us, but one day we'll go to that baby. And then, boom, it was almost like immediately after that, God said, you trusted me, I'm going to give you a son. And he's sitting right back there with his beautiful bride today. I can't fathom. If God told me to sacrifice my boy for anybody, if God told me to sacrifice my boy for everybody in this building wadded up together, I'm just telling y'all, I, could, I, I couldn't do that. I don't have the faith that Abraham does. And then if you saw yesterday, not only has God given me a boy, now God's given my boy a boy. I ain't even seen that little joker yet, but we went to commerce yesterday, and my wife just went on a shopping spree buying for that, now that we know what we're having. That baby's not even with I wouldn't give up my little grandson. I wouldn't give up my son. But that's the faith of Abraham. He was willing to give up whatever it takes. And I don't believe God's going to tell us, because we got 66 books of Scripture now. Amen. I don't believe God's going to tell anybody in this society to sacrifice your child. Now, did God really ever plan for Abraham to kill Isaac? I don't think he ever planned on that. He just had to be willing to sacrifice everything. God provided a ram in the to trust him that's the kind of faith that we ought to have faith is our roots but good works are our fruits our roots go down into the word of god in our faith but our good works are our fruits a faith that does not change your life cannot possibly save your soul how do you know you got dynamic faith i'm gonna try to do this quickly letter a we demonstrate true faith by our works we demonstrate true faith, dynamic faith by our works. Fruit that demonstrates our love for Jesus and our dependence upon the, the Word of God. I've said enough about that, so let's roll. Letter B, we demonstrate true faith by our witness. We demonstrate true faith by our witness. Now, the demons believe there really is a place called hell, and the demons did not want Jesus to send them to hell right then. If we really believe, if my faith is legit as my mouth is telling you it is, I ought to be burdened for folks that are going to hell. We ought to be compassionate about folks that are going to hell. And it's so easy for me to get irritated who don't think like me and act like me and do like me. But the Spirit of God has to remind me of what he says in Ephesians. Mike, such were some of you. 
You take the Holy Spirit out of me right now today, I ain't worth shooting. Lost people act like lost people. We demonstrate true faith by our witness. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, you will receive power. That word is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. You'll receive some dynamic, dynamite faith power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When does that happen? At the moment of your salvation. When you said yes to Jesus and nailed down your salvation, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And then he says, and you will be my witnesses. You ain't got to pray about it. If you saw my Wednesday word from the word this week, we said evangelism is a specific spiritual gift that God gives some people who have an overwhelming desire to share the gospel. The reality is very few Christians have that spiritual gift. But every Christian has the command of Scripture, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 20, to be his witnesses. Whether that is my primary spiritual gift or not, we're to be his witnesses. He don't say pray about it. He says do it. Telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Dynamic faith will be demonstrated in your witness. Let her see. We demonstrate true faith by our worship, don't we, Pastor Mike? Man, it ought to be so in our heart, we just can't let it out. Now, listen, I learned this morning, I've missed so much sitting right down here on the front. I moved back here so I could take off my mask. And Now, listen, I'm worshiping Jesus, the throne door open, Jesus is on the throne. But can I tell you, y'all bless me too, to get to sit back there. Now, everybody don't run to the back next week, okay? Don't do that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Our greeters are doing our best to seat people from the front back and spread us out. But man, when you, when you know who Jesus is, you will be driven to worship him. We demonstrate true faith by our worship. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. How do you know what you worship? Look at your planner, your daytimer, your calendar, your electronic device. Where do you spend your time? Pull up your bank account and go through that this afternoon online or however you do that. That'll give you a good indication of what you worship and who you worship. We spell love by our, our finances and our time. And so when we love Jesus, we ought to want to obey him and worship him corporately like we did this morning. We preached on this recently, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Verse 25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. You've been, I ain't even got a chance to speak to all of you today. But can I tell you, encourage your pastor? because you're here you encourage your pastor because i know you weren't singing to me you were singing to him but it encouraged me to see you and i believe some of you knew exactly who you were singing to and it was evident by the way you were worshiping we encourage each other especially now that the day of his return is drawing near when i read that passage this morning in my quiet time and again to you a few minutes ago second timothy 3 when he says, this is what's going to happen in the last days, did that not sound like the world we're living in today? I believe Jesus is coming soon. And he says, it's all the more important. Now, is COVID sent from the devil or is COVID a plague sent from God? God sent plagues in the Old Testament to judge people's sinfulness. I don't know. I tend to believe it may be a plague to get our attention. Whatever it is, I know the devil wants to use it. I know the devil wants to divide us, to discourage us, not just because of COVID, but just look at what's happening in the world today, the civil unrest and the hatred amongst people. God wants to unify us. The devil wants to divide us. It is no accident that churches are shut down and cannot meet. Now, when this thing happened, we did what all we knew to do. We didn't know what we were dealing with and neither did anybody else. So we shut down our church for a, a number of weeks. We did the best we could online. Pastor Mike and our team worked hard to improve our online presence. As soon as we could open the doors, we opened the doors. Then we had an outbreak in Northeast Georgia. We felt like we had no choice but to go back home. But we couldn't wait to get back together. And I prayed to the Lord Jesus, we never have to shut the doors of this church again because it is essential. It is a command of God to worship together, especially 
especially now that we live in these last days. When your faith is in Jesus and Jesus alone, you worship him supremely as your king like we talked about last week, you're going to want to worship him. You're going to give him the worship. Dead faith is intellectual only. You know it right here in your head. Demonic faith is intellectual and emotional. You know it right here and you feel it. You know it and you feel it, but dynamic faith. God don't want me to have dead faith. God doesn't want us to have demonic faith. God wants my faith and your faith to be genuine and dynamic. Dynamic faith involves all of that. My mind, my emotions, and my will. My dynamic faith will move me to action. Your dynamic faith will move you to do things that you would not normally do on your own. To stop and encourage somebody in the name of Jesus when otherwise you just keep on walking like the Levite and the priest. When the Spirit of God says, hey, you, know, you might not even know a person. You might not even know who, you might not know anything about them, but that supernatural Holy Spirit radar says, speak to, they need a word today. That person needs a word. I'm going to tell you who's good at that. That's my wife. I just confess my, my flesh sometimes, it irritates me because I'm in a hurry. If I'm in a store, I want to get what I want to get, I want to get out of there. She would just stop and talk to anybody, thank them, gush, oh, thank you for what you're doing, and on and on. And I, I need to be more like her because I'm like, come on, baby, let's go. We got a schedule to get to. You just never know. You know, you know, her aunt, who has suffered with COVID, was in Northeast Georgia Medical. They sent her to the Oaks for rehab for one night, back to Northeast Georgia. I've watched my wife go out of her way to love on those people. And they said, man, we're just doing our job. And every time Julie says, no, you're not. You're doing your job, and you're doing our job as the family. Man, just think, and they just, it just means so much to them to have somebody thank them. The Spirit of God may put on your heart, and then you got a choice, yes or no. Now, you may say, well, they might think I'm an idiot. Whose opinion are we after, theirs or God's? If they think I'm an idiot, I got a clear conscience because I did what God told me to do. I want to have a faith that involves my mind, my emotions, and my will. The mind understands the truth, the heart desires the truth, and the will acts on the truth. All three of those aspects are necessary for a dynamic faith in difficult days because these are difficult days, and a dynamic faith is the only faith that will carry us, a faith that is not dead and not demonic. Look at your conclusion, number one. What does the fruit of your life say about your faith? What does the fruit of your life say about your faith? Does it say it's rotten? It's dead? It's demonic? That's a question that you can answer more than anybody else. Other people may look at your fruit, but you know deep down in your heart whether or not you're a child of God. I'm going to tell you this young man right here that just promoted into our student ministry has more, more maturity in his life at this point already than so many adults I've known. So many adults who filled out the card, walked the aisle, but pride's got a hold of them, and they wouldn't dare do what Landon did. Well, I already told people I'm saved. I'd be embarrassed if they think I was just... Listen, his opinion is the only one that matters. May God multiply the numbers of people like Landon today. Number two, are demons more sincere in their faith than you? you write that down. Only you can answer that question. Are the demons of hell more sincere in their faith than you and I are? And then number three, how can you demonstrate? How can you demonstrate a more dynamic faith for the glory of God in these difficult days? I'm telling you, difficult days are breeding grounds for people of integrity. People have seen enough phonies. It's in the news all the time. It was just in the news recently. I won't elaborate on that, but many of you know what I'm talking about. People are looking for somebody that's genuine and real and will love them in the name of Jesus because, as, as I said earlier, as difficult as these days are for me and you, and we're saved and we're pastors and we still struggle, Think about the people that are walking all around us and work with you and go to school with you and live in our neighborhoods. Can you imagine how freaked out they are without the love of the Lord? I can't make anybody get saved. 
I'm glad I can't because I may take credit for it if I could make somebody get saved. Only Jesus can do that. But you and I can be the messenger boy or the messenger girl. Unsaved church members may be the biggest problem facing America today. So I wanted to preach this passage today, kind of a, kind of a part two to last week. Who is your king? Who is your king? I don't know how you answered that question last week, but I wanted to give you some, some evidence from the word of God from James here. Is your faith dead? Is it demonic? Or is it dynamic? Some of the most frightening words in all the word of God are found in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, Lord means boss, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. Hear those sad, haunting words. But I will reply, I never knew you. Well, I knew about you in my head. I went to church. I joined a church. I got baptized. Depart from me. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for a faith that rocked my world and transformed my life as a 15-year-old young man. And Lord, I don't have to tell you all the times I failed you between then and now. But I'm thankful that nothing can separate me from your love. I'm so thankful, Lord, that in my darkest days, my most sinful days of my life, you were right there to pick me up, to dust me off, and to tell me to keep on keeping on for the glory of God. God, I thank you so much for the dynamic faith of a young man like Landon, who was not ashamed to say, in spite of my pedigree, my family background, in spite of what I've said before, I need to just flat out be sure that I'm a child of God. God, I pray this day, yeah, in the future, but God, I pray this day, in this room, that somebody would do what Landon did. Say, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of not being sure. I need to know that I know that I know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I want to be able to live out that dynamic faith so that I can bless other people in the name of Jesus. Lord, for the soul closest to eternity apart from you, I pray today would be the day that they turn their eyes upon you, Jesus. Look full in your wonderful face. And Lord Jesus, let them discover that the things of this earth truly will grow dim in the light of your glory and your grace. Lord, for those of us who are believers, but we've neglected to read your word, we've neglected to study your word, and most of all, we've neglected to obey your word. We're so thankful that when your word cuts us, when your word wounds us, it does that for the purpose of healing us, of showing us that something is just not right. I pray for the one who may be a child of God and have no doubt about that, but the actions of their life lately demonstrate a dead faith or a demonic faith. God, they know in their heart what they need to do. I pray even this day some people would make a recommitment of their life to your Lordship and say, Lord, forgive me. I haven't been living like a child of God. Forgive me. Help me put the past in the past and empower me to press on in your name from this day forward. For any who may be looking for a church home to unite with and to serve with, as we look at different ways to do church in this different than the difficult days that we live in, and people want to be a part of that. They want to serve you. God, if you want them to be a part of this church on this hill, God, move them to unite with us even today. Lord, there's probably somebody like Landon that was unsure of their salvation. You gave them assurance, and now they need to take that next step of obedience and get their baptism on the right side of their salvation. I pray they do what that young man did today, and they'd make that right. Help us to honor you. Help us to stand firm and strong for your glory, regardless of what the winds of this world do. In your name we pray, amen.
and amen. And we're going to sing a pretty incredible song right here. It's what I got to do every day. I don't have to do this once a day, twice a day. I got to do this 24-7, 365. I got to turn my eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And when I do that, all these worries and difficulties and all the things of this world, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you need to come and pray at this altar, you come and pray. We will respect that social distancing. If you need to talk to somebody about what do I need to do next, I think I need to be saved. Our pastors will be available to talk to you after the service. You want to talk to somebody about joining Airline Baptist Church or being baptized, please come and talk to one of us after the service. But right now, let's just worship and pray as the Lord may lead you to do. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No. Salvation. 
God, not faith for the, in the wrong reasons or the wrong things, God, but faith in you, dynamic faith, faith that is alive, God. And that's my prayer for each and every person in this building today. That they'll go out energized and electrified and on fire for you, God, that they never have been before so that they can go out into this community get Father, our community, whether they're here in, in Gainesville, Georgia, Hall County, or some other place, or listening online, wherever their community may be, God, it's our community, whatever it is. God, it's because it's your community. God, let us go out and have an impact for you. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, if you're in the back and you just want to head out, we'll see you next week. Can't wait.